All right. So we are in this series called Spiritual Habits, and I was going to pause our series and thought, I'm going to preach on politics because uh, the election's on Tuesday. Um, but you all can breathe a sigh of relief. No political message today. I decided to preach on something much more safe. Oh, we're talking about money today, right? So yay, way much, much better. Um, but no, seriously, we are going to talk about generosity. And we have been on this journey these last couple of months talking about that we want to be followers of Jesus, that Jesus is both teacher and Lord, and that he invites us to be his followers. That Hebrew word for follower is Talmudim. That, that means his apprentices, his followers. And so what does that mean to apprentice to Jesus? We want to be with Jesus. We talked about this, this metaphor of Jesus says in John 15 that he is the vine, that we are the branches. And we need to be plugged in and connected to Jesus. We want to be with him that we want to become like him. And we've said that there are these spiritual practices, these spiritual habits that help us become like Jesus. It's kind of that, that framework that a vine grows on top of. And so that's what a lot of our midweek um, video series, Mosaic Midweek, has been talking about. We talk about the importance of silence and solitude. You know, at your office or in the morning, set a 10-minute timer. I just have silence just to sit, maybe not even intentionally pray, just to be with Jesus. Uh, you know, the, the practice of, of starting our day in God's word before we open our email, before we go to any news sites, before we go to social media, that we want to start our day in God's word. And we said that sticking with the right habits help you get real results. That sticking with the right habits help you get real re- results. And the goal of being an apprentice of Jesus is transformation. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the apostle Paul writes this, And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Our goal is to not stay the same, but to be transformed. We've said that our Heavenly Father has a vision for us. That he wants us to become like his son, Jesus. Here's how Dallas Willard, uh, author, pastor um, for spiritual formation, here's what he said. He said, spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. We want to walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. We said that what we do on a regular basis, we become. The things we do, they do something to us. That change is a joint effort between us and God. God has a part to play, but we have a part to play. We said, if that's nervous, another quote by Dallas Willard can be helpful. That grace isn't opposed to effort. That grace is opposed to earning. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our standing with God. Just like my kids could never do anything to change their position as my children. That their actions can't change how much I love them. But I have a vision for their life. And they have a part to play to become the person, the, the young men and women that I have for them. In the same way, our Heavenly Father has a vision for us. And so we partner with God to become that which God has declared us to be. And just like there are some physical habits that can help you get healthier. Uh, yesterday, I kind of fell off the bandwagon with, with Halloween candy. Anyone else? Uh, you take your dad tax, you know, as your kids go trick-or-treating, and you're like, oh, man, those little Snickers. Like, somehow in my mind, fun size don't count. Um, also, I don't know why they call them fun size. Like, anyone, you make them smaller and they're more fun? I don't think so. Um, but, man, 
But there are good physical habits that help us get in shape physically. There are financial habits that help us get in shape financially. There are good uh, business practices that can help your business flourish. There's also spiritual habits that are good for our soul. And that's what we've been learning about in this series. We said it's not about trying. We can't try to earn our Father's love or our staying with Him, but it's about training. And we've, we've gone through these spiritual habits. We're using the acronym HABIT. H, hanging out with other believers. Remember, we had, we had the table up here. We said that everyone is invited to the table and, and that, 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 you know, Mike is my brother in Christ. You know, that Kay who is here is my sister in Christ. That it's, it's not the blood that brings us together, it's the spirit. That spirit is thicker than blood who draws us into his family. And that we need to be active in our church. We said that there's almost those 60 one another commands. And we cannot obey the one another by ourselves. We can't one another ourselves. We have to one another each other. And so even now in COVID and quarantine, there's ways that we can one another each other. You can bless someone, you know, by sending an encouraging video on your phone. You can, you know, take them out to coffee from home by sending them $5 on your Venmo app. There's many ways that we can bear one another's burdens. We can bless one another. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. We can admonish and teach one another, even when we can't all gather in the same place right now because of just what's going on. And then we talked about Bible engagement. And Andrea Stevens shared a great word in our Mosaic Midweek. I talked about memorizing scripture and getting those, those words in your head and heart. And they help to transform you. We talked about just, we want to engage in the scriptures. We talked about Lexio Divina. Well, tonight, today, this morning, we're talking about investing financially in God's kingdom. We're going to talk about investing financially in God's kingdom. Uh, how many of you got your first job uh, in high school at some point? How many of you got your first job when you were 14, like me? a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked at a grocery store from age 14 till 17. And then my senior year of high school, I got a little tired of grocery store. So I started working at the mall, at, at County Seat Outlet. But when I got those first couple of paychecks, I remember, first of all, I was working at the grocery store and I got my first paycheck and like half of it's gone. And I didn't realize that I had joined a grocery store with a union. And man, did the union take a lot of my, my uh, pay away. And then FICA, whoever that guy is, he's taking a lot of my paycheck. And you know, it's like, my word, what is left over? Not much. But, you know, on that, whatever it was, like $27.50, uh, you know, $27, not $2,700 paycheck, it's like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to give back to God. And I remember, you know, right, giving that first, like, $2 back to God. It's like, oh, man, this, I don't have much money. But even as a high schooler, get in that habit of, of just, okay, I got to give back to God, even though this is my hard-earned money, this is my Mountain Dew money, this is my, uh, you know, gas money to go visit my friends. And then I think it was probably, about, I was about a senior, and then, you know, God really was working on my heart, and, and it got to that place of, of, of tithing. And it was like, okay, 10% of everything I'm earning, I'm going to give back to God and give to my local church. Went off to college, and then the summer after uh, my freshman year of college, I worked for uh, possibly the greatest name of any company, uh, I say that sarcastically, a company called Weedman. Anyone ever heard of Weedman? It's like True Green. Uh, so I worked for Weedman. I was spraying lawns and fertilizing. And let me tell you, every time I drove past a high schooler, uh, do you know what they asked me? Hey, weed man, got any weed? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're so original. Thank you so much. But I earned a lot of money. I was earning more than I'd ever made that summer. And I saved up all my money because I'm, I'm, I'm in college now. I'm heading into my sophomore year. I'm living on my own, paying for my own clothes, you know, all this stuff, making my way in the world. And, you know, I got this money saved up. Well, I was helping out in a church at a youth group. And that fall, I think it was October, 
uh, I, me and the youth pastor, we took about 30 kids to youth convention, uh, Minnesota youth convention. And it was awesome. Well, he had to go to work early. So then I was in charge less, left of the time, and I, I had to get kids checked out of a hotel, and I'm 19. This is all new to me. But I never forget, I was at youth convention, and they, they played some video, and they cast this vision for Speed the Light, which is basically, you know, a fund to help missionaries, to help global partners overseas to spread the good news of the gospel. Places like Papua New Guinea, places like South America, places like Africa and Thailand and other places. And they said, you know, if you can invest in God's kingdom, you can make a difference. And I remember sitting in that service at 19 years old with all these teenagers around me, it's very old than them, and just feeling my pulse quicken and just feeling like God was stirring something in my heart. And I remember in that moment, it was something that God just spoke to me and just said, give everything to speed the light to that ministry. I was like, God, what do you mean everything? You mean 10%, right? And it's like, empty your checking account. And again, I worked hard all summer long, 50-hour weeks, and this was the money I was going to live on for the, you know, the whole school year. So I wasn't going to work during the school year. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that, God. And I just heard this, you know, trust me. And again, I'm not saying this is something you should do unless God tells you. Well, I pulled out my checkbook, and, and I wrote a large check, lar- bigger than I'd ever written before. And I emptied my bank account to invest in God's kingdom. And that was a defining moment where I knew, you know what, I'm going to trust God. And you know what, that school year he provided for me. Jobs, opportunities. You know, I get married, and the very first job I take with Kristen is a youth pastor job in California, $26,000 a year, barely able to cover our rent. But you know what? God provided for us. And then God called us to Wisconsin. And we moved there, but the church couldn't pay us. So he said, we're going to have to raise all your salary. And from about May, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, I fundraised like a missionary, and I was able to raise my whole salary in, in those three months, and we moved to Wisconsin. And, you know, there were times when, when we didn't have much money. We were a one-car family, but every time, God would provide in different ways. Our daughter, Becca Boo, was, was, was born in the first 12 minutes of her life, not breathing. I've shared that story. And then the NICU for 10 days, and we had some health insurance snafus, and after we got her home, you know, a month later, we get a bill from the hospital for $100,000. And I remember just being like, God, there is no way we could ever pay this bill. And just through miracles of this law firm and different things, that we worked it out, and we, and we didn't pay any of that bill. And Becca was healed. And God again and again took care of us. And then we've talked, things went bad at the church, and so we spent a year, I went spraying lawns again for True Green this time, not Weed Man, and it wasn't making much money, and yet Kristen's job then exploded, and she was making twice as much as she was before, and I was making hardly any money, and it was like, okay, God is taking care of all our needs. So we moved to Minnesota, and we, we raised funds to plant this church, and as soon as the church gets going, Kristen's job goes whoop, and she's no longer making that much money. But it's like every time when we needed something, God provided. And I really think it goes back to that moment, and again, I'm not saying that God is probably never going to ask you to empty your checking account. I've honestly never shared that story because I just, I don't like Pastor Bragg stories, but I think it's helpful to say there are these moments in our lives where God says, do you trust me? And when I look back on that moment, 
of investing in God's kingdom, he has shown himself faithful again and again and again. What's your relationship with money? Maybe you struggle with spending and you find yourself in major debt. Maybe you're good with budgeting, but you struggle with fear if your bank account or your investments, you know, drop below a certain level. You know, maybe money's something you ignore and you have no budget. You don't know where your money goes and you just want to kind of stick your head in the sand. I don't want to think about it. Well, the good news is that you are not alone in your struggles with money, whatever those might be. Whatever your relationship to money, Jesus had a lot to say about money. And it's just, it's, it's a topic we can get a little weird about, but Jesus did talk about it. And so if we want to be his apprentices, we want to follow Jesus and his teachings on money. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into God's word here. God, thank you that you address our concerns, our worries, our fears about money and scarcity. And God, we know that your vision for our lives is, is, is one of generosity. That, that, that picture of, of the garden in the beginning, that what the life was flourishing and there was more than enough for everyone. So God, we, we want to be bringers of generosity. We want to live in that truth. We want to invest in your kingdom and what matters. So just, I just pray, even in this difficult conversation, God, that you would be with me. And God, that we would just uh, learn and grow as your apprentices. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, just real quick, I want to cover three ways, places where Jesus talks about money. Number one, Luke 16, 13, Jesus says this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The first thing is just, who are you serving? Jesus says, are you trusting God to provide and meet your needs? Or are you trusting in money and your own circumstances? Jesus says, you can't serve both. You can't trust both. Is your foundation on the rock of Jesus or kind of on yourself and your your savings account? Number two, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is saying, where is your heart? Is it in your stuff? Or is it in eternal things, things that last, in relationships, in building God's kingdom, in in bringing generosity to be, you know, a symbol of hope? You know, where is your heart? The third thing Jesus tells us in Luke 12, verse 13 through 15, says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with him, with me. You know, we've got some issues about, you know, who's going to get what when the dad died. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus says this, we need to guard against greed. Just the natural inclination is that we believe everything that comes in our hands is for our benefit, for our families. But instead, Jesus says, no, we need to guard against greed to be generous. And here's what happens when we are generous. Here's what Apostle Paul, an apprentice of Jesus, wrote in 2 Corinthians 9-11. through He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Apostle Paul tells us that generosity produces thanksgiving to God. Imagine people thanking God because of you. Why? Because you were generous, because you were a blessing in their life. If we know that giving is good, and we know it's more blessed to give than receive, then that raises the question, why don't we do this more? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons why. 
I think some of us have bought into the idea that we need to look after our kids. It's like, you know, I just need to give my kids every opportunity. It's like, well, you might need to give your kids less opportunities. Have you ever met a kid who's had every opportunity? People don't like to spend time around that kid, right? Uh, Sometimes it's good to have your kids struggle a little bit. You know, when we meet Jesus and he starts to change our heart, one of the things that he births in us is generosity. That means we're not just looking for ways to take from our neighborhood, from our relationships, from our church. We're looking for ways to give. How do I bless my neighbor? How do I bless my family members? How do I bless my church? How do I just take, take, take? How do I give? And it becomes a change in us because we know that God gives to us. We're grateful for the generosity of God and that then we're generous towards other because we want to mirror, reflect, image, worship this God who's so generous to us. We want his generosity to be shared with and shown to others. Amen? We don't strive to be generous, to earn God's love. It's not like that. But the foundation for our generosity is the gospel. The good news that Jesus so loved the earth that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. We give because God gave. We want to be generous because God is a generous God. Amen? And so, as I wrap up here, I want us just to ask ourselves this week, instead of asking, you know, uh, how much should I give of my time, my talents, my my resources, my money? Ask the question, how much should I keep? How much should I keep for me and my family? And then the rest I'm giving away. You know, so when you're setting your calendar, when you're setting your budget, you know, how much, okay, you know, you got to set some for yourself and, and you know, and, and your own personal things. But then how much am I going to give away? One day, everyone is going to have to answer these three questions about all the resources, all the time, all the talents that God has given you. Number one, you have to answer the question of where did it all go? How did you spend your time? How did you spend your money? How did you spend just your love and your generosity and all that. Number two, what did I spend it on? Did I spend on things that matter or things that just don't really matter? Number three, what has been accomplished for God through the use of all my wealth? What has been accomplished for God through the use of all my wealth? Now, some of you, you are incredibly generous. I'm so thankful for you. Some of you, I know you want to be generous, but you don't have a plan. Isaiah 32, 8 says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. What do generous people do? They plan. It's not accidental or incidental. It's intentional. We have to plan to be generous. We automate what is important. Our, our family, we automate our giving. You know, 10% every month, it just goes out and, and sends a check to Mosaic Church. You know, we automatically give, just we don't think about it, to support four compassion kids. We have four kids and so we thought let's support a compassion kid for each one of our kids over and above our 10 percent rate given to mosaic you know and on top of that we just automate our giving to support core and troy our global partners missionaries in thailand you know we, we don't even think about it we've set this up so i don't have to click some kind of box it's just because what is important we automate for mosaic here as a church we automate what is important right now our monthly giving is around fifteen thousand five hundred a month Our church gives away at least 10% every month. $750 every month goes to support missionaries around the world. That just automatically goes out. You know, it doesn't matter what comes in, that goes out. You know, $885 just automatically transfers into an account set aside for for benevolence, for outreach, to help those who say, hey, you know, we're we're behind, you know, the pandemic, we can't pay our rent. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you cover your rent. Or someone, hey, I need help, you know, buying groceries. Okay, we got money set aside for that. That's a little more than 10% right now, but, but we want to be generous as a church. 
And just honestly, you know, another 20% of everything that comes in goes back to our school district to rent to be here. So just automatically, you know, we're giving away to our school district, to missionaries, to people that need it, you know, somewhere around that, you know, uh, 30%. Because we automate what is important. For you, do you have a plan to be generous with your time, with your finances? If you leave it up to chance, it's not going to happen. You know, uh, it's just so important. Uh, I'm going to just kind of let you in on a little secret. Like, uh, this summer has been really tough as a pastor. And, and, uh, and I thank you for, for all of you guys who've been so supportive of me. Uh, I've shared, you know, I, I hit kind of rock bottom July 1st and kind of coming out of it and counseling, medication, all that stuff has been really helpful. But as I got there, I was like, I need to figure out a better way to love and care for my flock. And so just, just this is kind of peeling behind the curtain. I was like, okay, I'm going to make, kind of automate what's important. So in my mind, it's like, okay, uh, you know, I got my Monday morning recap. I send that out. That's kind of automatic. Tuesday, okay, texting Tuesdays. So you probably have gotten to text me on Tuesdays because now I'm trying to be intentional about that. Okay, if I text on Tuesdays, then I know that's the day I'm going to tech and check in on my church. You know, Wednesday, we got our midweek thing. Thursday's uh, kind of its, its own day. Friday, phone calls. I'm trying to call a couple people each day. I hate the phone. So if I, if I call you, man, that is my labor of love uh, because... I don't know what I, it's something about, I get really anxious and it's hard for me. I don't know. I, it's, I don't know, something weird. Uh, and so I'm trying. Friday phone calls, Tuesday texting. Because again, we automate what's important. You have to have kind of that schedule set up to do what you want to do. Sometimes we just need that help. The question we've been asking ourselves is who are you becoming? If you plot the trajectory of your life, do you see Jesus expressed through your personality, your gender, your social economic status, or do you see something else? You know, we asked this question last week. Imagine yourself at 70 years old and, and your great nieces, your great nephews, your great grandchildren are around you and they ask you about 2020. Some of you are closer to 70 than some of us. But what do you want to say? Do you want to say that was a lost year where I just gave in to fear? And this isn't an indictment on staying home, but just that you lived in fear and scarcity or anger or bitterness or that you were so wrapped up in the election that after. Whatever happened, you were angry or bitter or you gloated? Or is 2020 a year where you got serious and said, no, God, I, I need your help to change me because when I play forward who I'm becoming, I don't like that person, so I need to make some changes. That was me this summer. It's like, man, I don't like who I'm becoming. I need to make some changes. And that is why we need to learn the right habits. To to be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. I want to encourage you to be generous and see what God does through you. And hear me, generosity doesn't mean just tithing to your church. It's, it's an attitude of your heart. It, it's creating margin in your life so that when someone has a need or, or someone says, hey, you know, I need someone to watch the kids so I can do this, you have, you have the ability to do that. We, we have a family in our church right now, uh, Joe and Karen. And uh, they're dear, dear friends from, from Brazil, and, and they have a house cleaning business. And their prayer request right now has been, we need a new car. Our car's not working. We love them. And, 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 and we're so thankful. We prayed for them for years, and they had little Isabella, and so great. But I would love, maybe someone today, you're listening, and, and you have an abundance of wealth that you have not uh, tapped into. And they need to be blessed with a new car. Maybe someone today, maybe you're watching online right now. I don't know. And you want to bless Karen and Joe with a new car, a used car, whatever it might be. 
Like, that, that's the heart of Jesus, that we can be generous, that it just flows out of us because people will then will give thanksgiving. And it is so much better to give than to receive. And I know I've gone way long today, but, but truly my heart for you is that you would not be inward focused and greed, but truly to live open-handed with your schedule, with your time. Again, you can do that from the comfort of your own house as you check in with people, as you, as you send them video texts, as, as you call them, you know, whatever it might be. As you meet people's needs, if we want to walk in the way of Jesus, let's walk in the way of generosity. Let's pray. God, thank you. You are here with us, and even when the preacher's long-winded, God, we pray that, God, you would just help us to, to walk and live with open hearts and minds and spirits. God, that we would truly show that, that your vision for our world is one where everyone flourishes. And so, God, those of us who have extra time, talents, uh, money, finances, God, that, that we would just ask, how can we use this to be a blessing to others? God, right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just reveal into each and every one of us th that place in our lives where, where we haven't been walking in generosity. Maybe it's with love or forgiveness, or maybe it's with our finances. Maybe it's with our time. Whatever that is, God, that we would trust you that you are good, and there is more than enough to go around. And God, that you would just help us to flourish, and that in every environment we're in, in, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods, in our families, God, that we would just bring that, that flourishment with us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, those of you who joined us online, thank you so much for joining with us. And uh, our hosts are going to put some links up there. For the rest of us, we're going to check out our kids' ministry video. Go ahead and check that out.